0: Tour de France 2022 is over, and for me it ended uh, a day too late, well, or a day early, I don't know. It it was really over on Saturday. Sunday, um, very disappointed all around. We're going to talk about it, but then we're going to do a little recap of the 2022 Tour de France. This is the Between Two Wheels podcast, Tyler Yonke, episode 266. Hope you're having a good Monday. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, we, we slogged through it. I don't think I missed a, a day. I mean, I did some, I skipped a day and then I, I did like two stages at once on a rest day, I think pretty much hit them all. I mean, this is, this is actually, I, even, even when I was really doing this podcast, I mean, when I cared, um, I didn't do <laughs> this much, but I just have this, I have the system down now um, I do, I'm doing all, I did all of these live as well. So I hope if you were able to join me in my erratic times, you got to subscribe. You got to hit the notification bell. You never know when I'm coming at you. And then, um, we just put them out. I, I have the system. I do it in live and then I can be able to download that, do a little, not much audio corrections, post them out. Bam, bam, bam. Thank you, ma'am. And we're good to go. So the day started out, uh, Sunday, um, before the men's race. there's the women's race, and I've looked at it. It's I think eight stages, and they are going to go. They start in Paris, so they did the the stage there. And by the way, I, I don't know that I could watch all of these races. Um, I definitely am going to watch the last one. That's up the Plante Belfi, the Super Planche. That's that should be pretty good. Uh, I don't even know how long that that race actually is. Hopefully, it's not a long race. Um, but I can't watch like the the one in the Champ de la Day. It was. Um, I, I don't like to see sprinters sitting down. It's that's a little boring to me. And actually, the men's was boring, too. Um, you know, that first whole time they're taking the pictures. OK, it's cool. Oh, they have all the Danish riders out there. Cool. Um, they should have had all they, they missed some opportunities, though. They didn't have all the Americans. They should have had multiple combinations, like uh, all the riders that tested positive but were still allowed to go for COVID. Uh, other ones that had all crashed, maybe. Uh, maybe a picture of all the ones who had never crashed during this race um a race uh, a picture of all the guys who never got in a break joe dombrowski um you know we can and the, and the list can go on it's there's many factions of, of different so the race comes down here they're they're out there there's guys trying to get out the front blah 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 um they come into the last you know lap section there the the, the, the finish has been extended a little longer you used to come around the last corner and you'd kick it from the corner but they've extended it which makes all the sprinters kind of act weird. And they did. Um, they missed the, the timing on it. Uh, Sagan said he dropped his chain. He also said that, uh, Jakobsen was in front of him and he dropped his chain, but, um, quick step wasn't doing much of a lead out. They've been kind of disappointing. I mean, they, they go one, two stages one and two, and then they just shit the bed for the rest of it. And, um, you know, other than that, uh, Philipson, I, I mean, he throws his bike at the line, barely gets, uh, did he get a time gap? That's how much of a, i an extension. He got, uh, not just on, but on, on the kick, uh, bike exchange went too early. The Mezik, uh, dropped off wagon. He had to jump and he did. I mean, and that, and that, it, my feeling is uh, as a sprinter, I'm not a world-class sprinter at all. I'm an old man sprinter, but sometimes you have to go to the front too soon. And you have two choices. One is you just go all out. Hopefully you get a gap and then hold it. Or sometimes you kind of kick, and you, you're like 80% and you wait for the other guys to come and then you kick again. So maybe he could have done that. Um, I don't think it would have mattered. Phillipson has had now had two wins. I think he's had two second places and a third. He's had two wins but three posts up. Because <laughs> he posted up when Wout ended up winning. So, uh, yeah, Let's, there's the map. Um, we went all the way. And, you know, some days to go like counterclockwise, they did really avoided this whole, uh, Western portion of France here. Uh, you know, and you think about the weather that we had first day there in uh, Copenhagen, um, the day one you had rain and other than that hot, nothing, nothing like that. So that was the, um, that was it. This is the profile that you had for the stage yesterday. Uh, I, I, I couldn't care wow. Didn't, didn't join in the theatrics. Um you know I mentioned uh, if you think of a few years ago there there's been different uh, results uh 1987 I talked about that tour a bit it's by the way I went back and watched it and it's actually just fantastic to watch It's back and forth back and forth um and by the way the time trial did a 50 60 mile time time trial and then a mont Vontu? it's uh, crazy stuff uh, but the very last day, there was a breakaway uh, coming into on the Champs Elysees and 7 uh, Eleven team. Um, Jeff Pierce gets in the break with Steve Bauer, and he's most, mostly a climber, but he ends up winning. Uh, he and Bauer then kicked off from this group. They thought that sprinters were getting American wins. They, they had Davis Finney wins the stage. Um, the, it, was, it was fantastic for team 7 Eleven on the 87 tour. And then 88, Andy Hampson goes on to win the uh, Tour of Italy. Uh, there, there you go. There's a 115.6 kilometers snooze fest for me. I didn't even enjoy this sprint. I, I, I was watching like I'm disappointed. I waited for this and they, they did it later in the day. It was done like 11 Pacific or so. Um, almost at, you know, nighttime there in France. And, um, it just, it was kind of, uh, it was uneventful. I was disappointed. I was disappointed in myself, but that's what we had. So let's just take a look at the results and we're going to talk about, Everything that happened on the day, Jesper uh, Phillips and wins Gronewagen second. I mean, I the, the fact that they didn't give him they gave him a time bonus seconds there, but the fact that they didn't give him a time uh, a gap of one, <laughs> one second is almost uh, a shame because he had such a huge Christoph getting third Stoyvan for Trek Total Energy Peter Sagan in fifth and Van Popple Caleb Ewan was very disappointed. He goes up on the left hand side. We'll, we'll we'll click through kind of the the, the Um, Maybe we should just do that right now for GCN. Uh, But Caleb Ewing ends up trying to go up the left-hand side and he just doesn't have the power to do much of anything. So they're going to talk about the race, recap yesterday. uh, Well, or the day before there were Wout uh, ends up getting it. And, you know, if you watch Jonas here, he sits up uh, the last, you know, 500 meters or so, and who knows, maybe he would have got the the win. Uh, The whole team seemed to be pretty emotional and excited about things. They started out in this... um, stadium, they're going to take the, here's the route. Okay. Then it's all the, the pomp and circumstance. No one gives a crap. Uh, it was uh, once again, I'm going to bash on it because it's boring as hell. They come on to the, uh, uh, EF did try to take a, take a few flyers there. They had some guys up front. Rouch, I think was up there with Betty all the very last lap though. Uh, Pogacar actually attacks on the left-hand side of the road while on the other side was Garrett Thomas. It was interesting, but to no avail. I come in here to the sprint finish. And uh, you can see, so I'm gonna talk about it from uh, the, the view of looking at the riders. They're coming up on our right as you're peering at them. Gronewagen is hitting the barriers. He's coming up there. Phillipson is kind of tucked in. Uh, back behind Caleb Ewing is up on the barriers too. He gets kind of what he thinks is boxed in. He can, you can tell he's uh, upset about it from Christoph. but the reality is if he had any power and he was able to, he was moving forward rather than backward, um, he wouldn't be boxed in. He had plenty of room there around Gorn Wagon And then he just gives up because Christoph uh, manhandles him. Phillipson gets the win. Christoph there, Grunewagen, the bike throw for second. Like I said, Stoyven, Sagan, Caleb Ewing back there a ways. It's a little bit of a gap. And then the, uh, the whole team for, um, a decent size gap, uh, Philipson throw, lifts his bike in the air. He's all excited. Uh, here, here you go. Here's the overhead. We'll just click the play here. Uh, he goes by Grunewagen quite easily way out on the right hand side. Here's, um, Philipson, oh, no, Kristoff down in the bottom left. He's he's then going to – let's do this so we don't get uh, X'd out here. They don't really show it anymore because they follow Philipson, but he just he just kills it. But like I said, um, Caleb just didn't have the power. The whole team for Jumbo comes in. Wow, decides not to even play the game. Probably smart. You don't need to have seven wins. Uh, yeah. Sepkas, Tish Benut, Van Hooydonk, Jonas, uh, Vingago wins the tour along with Wout getting the green jersey. There's your podium, Garrett Thomas. Uh, pretty, pretty impressive in third. Uh, Philip, sorry here for Pogachar not holding a baby. So, everyone else is holding a baby. Um, let's go back here. Let's go to the finish. I want to do one thing, it just helps for the thumbnail. Um, there you go. Philipson over the line, sprint finish. Where's your post up? Where's your post up? There it is. There, There is this post up. Okay. Uh, anyway, so on the podium here, uh, Pagachar, no baby, sad for him, no child. What if he brought, what if you just bring your grandma up there? I think you should do that. Bring your grandma up there. Pog- uh, Vinigo, I don't know. Maybe he gave a speech. There's, um, you know, they do that sometimes. Uh, remember Lance famously said something like, well, if you can't uh, believe in this, I, I feel sorry for you. Okay. And we're going to talk about that because there was some questions about doping that came in. Uh, the, the the climbers jersey goes to Vinigo. The white goes to Pogacar. The green goes to uh, Wouch. Everybody has a baby. If you don't have a baby, I guess you're not cool. Up on the podium, there you go. All right, <clears throat> let's look at the nations to see how the Americans did yesterday. Uh, not Switzerland. Americans. Uh, Jorgensen. He kind of tried there. He was maybe he and Palace were the only ones not trying to get a gap on the time, so they came in uh 24th and 46th uh Seb Cuss, he came in with his team McNulty sits up behind Dombrowski. I don't know he's what he's doing out there and Quinn Simmons he sat up uh, for 152 he did try to help lead out his team uh for the overall Palace gets in the top 20 uh 13th place it's really really good uh, if you think about it even though I mean it's 45 minutes but you know that's that's really that's amazing Uh, Sepp in 18th place, McNulty. So you have three Americans in the top 20. That's out of six of them. Uh, Mateo Jorgensen uh, gets 21st. So you're really, I mean, you're close to having, you know, four of the Americans in the top 20. Um, And, you know, not all of them were actually going for time. Uh, Dombrowski, 43rd, and Quinn Simmons, uh, 67th place, but probably more impressive than, well, than Dombrowski, definitely. And um, definitely, you know, went in his way. Uh, points, no one cared about that. No one was really playing with that. No one was playing with the youth of the KOM and the team. Okay, there we go. So <clears throat> we'll look at the overall. Um, there we go. Vinigo, Bogachar, Thomas and third, one, two, three. And the big gap down there. And so <clears throat> there's been a lot of talk about a lot of things. One is this is the uh, scope here for. I guess it's for years to go um, the least amount of riders that have finished. They're saying how hard it is, but um, what they're not taking and they they keep, it's, it's not apples to apples because they keep comparing it to years ago when they had nine riders in the tour de France. So if you want to do a percentage, we can break it down on percentage, which I'm not going to take the time to do. Uh, I just don't know if it is the most in percentage basis because numbers straight away, uh, you had less riders um, in general on, on each team. So what was the overall? Anyway, that's, that's a problem of analysis. Uh, COVID, <clears throat> you know, you know they, they want to say how hard the tour is, and, and they're saying it because it is the fastest on, on, on record, which is kind of amazing. Shorter stages, though, so you're able to go harder, uh, you know, instead of doing it for seven six-hour race. If you're doing it for four, it's a little easier to go. The higher speeds, obviously, um, but COVID was part of this, right? But they say like forty percent of the dropouts were due to COVID. Well, okay. Uh, so I read, I heard that someplace. I did not check that out. I don't know if that stat's correct. Let's say it is. Well, that's a huge. That's almost half of the people that didn't race were 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 kicked out because of uh, um, uh, an illness, uh, such as the see here for, as an example. Uh, did Tom Squeens end up finishing? Because he was, uh, as he said. He was sick of, yep he finished he was sick as a dog but he just was lucky enough to not be uh covid sick so therefore he gotta you know suffer suffer and finish who knows maybe you, you could do it with covid maybe not it just depends on what your symptoms are so therefore it's a little disingenuous to talk about um <clears throat> such a hard tour and, and show up due to the people that they were dropping out okay what are they going to get into do here with the tour I'm gonna go stage by stage And we're just going to talk a little bit about each of them. So stage one, it's a prologue. It was wet. Steven Bessinger falls twice. He had a really shitty time trial uh, prologue. He had a shitty time trial on stage 20 as well. He just quit. He said it was too dangerous. Didn't have a bottle. Gears um, went into um, crash mode. So, But you had Eve Lampert winning it. You had Pogacar looked pretty good. Wout looked pretty good. Garrett Thomas wore his vest, or gilet, as they call it, and um, so that was pretty disappointing for him. But um, quick stuff. they take their first yellow jersey of the of the state of the tour, and they take their first uh, stage win. But then they fall out right back up well, on stage two. Jakobsen gets the stage win in Denmark once again. Uh, but Wout, you know, Eve Lampart helped lead out Jakobsen, so Wout's in there, and he ends up second place, I believe. I think he was second. On stage one, on yeah the prologue, stage one, stage two. He was his second in the sprint. I said prologue, but it's actually stage one. Um, so he's second in the sprint to Jacobson, but he took time bonus there, and he took it to the point where he was able to, I believe he took yellow jersey. Um, or did he take it the next day? <clears throat> yeah, took it that day. So uh, stage three, so he gets the sprint. Uh, Wouts once again, second, and does, does so in the yellow jersey. Uh the this is though where shit starts to come alive and you're like, oh, this is what we're gonna do on the tour. This is how we're gonna race. Stage four, Wout attacks. Remember, Tish Banu, Van Hoydonk, all these guys hit the bottom of this climb like what, 10k or so to go. Wout disseminate the decimates everybody. I think only Yates and, and Vinigo and Pogachar kind of went over the top together, but then he gets rid of them and just keeps going. And he solos to the finish. However, uh, and we're going to click through some of these pictures here. That's cute. Um, yeah, there you go. So it was Yates and Vinigo and maybe oh, a Pagachar. That's right. He was back further. So, but then these guys couldn't even hold on. And uh, Tisha, like I said, lit it up. And Ala Philippe ends up posting up for second place. That was his first post up of the, of the stage. And it was a first stage win by uh, Jumbo, finally. Uh, stage five, you come in here, that's the cobbles, okay? This was the one where EF has a plan. They send uh, up the road, uh, what's his name? Nielsen Palace, our very own here for Northern California. He gets in the break with Magnus. He gets in there with Simon Clark. Uh, who else was there? Taco Vanderhorn, and I forget the other guy, but Simon Clark ends up winning on the day. Nielsen Palace comes oh so close to getting the Elder jersey. The Betty all problem that we had, but more importantly, you had big wrecks. <coughs> Excuse me. They caused some problems which were uh, Roglic went down hard. Caleb Ewan went down hard. Pogachar gets a little bit of a break. Jonas has a flat. They changing bikes. It's the clown car situation in the back. And in the end, Jonas loses like 30 some seconds. Wow, uh, Roglic loses like two and a half minutes. And it looks pretty devastating. And then there's other riders like Menchies and, um, uh, I don't know if Menchies, but uh, Nairo and a few of these other little climbers, they ended up staying up front. So it was uh, an interesting day. Uh, just I think there's the longest stage of the, the next one, stage six, 220 kilometers. Had a little kick at the end. I had some climbs in it. And Pogacar decides that uh, this is the one. That's right. Comes up to the top and you're like, this is the chance for Nielsen Paulus to get the yellow jersey. They dump Wout because he decides to take off. He's in this break. The break comes back. They dump him. Now it's great. And it's like this four, this little, what, two and a half, three kilometer or so climb up to the finish. McNulty's on the front drilling it. And you're getting uh, uh, Nielsen Palace hanging in there. But, and he would have taken yellow, but for Pagacha deciding he needed to blow some matches. And he takes a sprint and uh, takes it over Michael Matthews. So, It was a little devastating for that to go for Nielsen Palace. He didn't get his yellow jersey. A little bit of a time gap there, I think, as well. But um, this is when they passed uh, well. So stage six, bummer. Nielsen Palace was also close. I personally said that the Betty all issue was not as big of a deal on stage five as Nielsen Palace getting rid of Magnus Court, who could have helped him in there to the finish and maybe allowed him to stay up with that front group on the sprint rather than losing just enough time, which that would have been maybe more significant than the Bedial bringing him back. <clears throat> okay, that's stage six, stage seven. Uh, this was up to super planche de Belfi, okay? So Nielsen loses a little bit more time here, but... This is the where it came to show how the teams were riding and leading all the way up to the top. You had Brandon McNulty was helping a little bit, but then you had Rafa Micah, okay? And he comes up until the, what, two, one and a half kilometers to go where they have the old finish line. He does a big arm wave for um, for Pagachar Up the road, though, is Leonard Kamna, who had been off in the break, and he is holding on, holding on, holding on, However, pogachar hits the gas. And then with about, uh, what is it, 150 or so meters to go in the super steep road. Uh, Jonas Vingago attacks Pogachar. He's able to not really open up much of a gap at all, but, uh, Pogacar ends up going with him and then comes over the top. They pass kemna Kemna is just like devastated in a sense, uh, come right over the top of him at the finish line. And uh, it's not much of a bike throw, but it is quite the statement for Pogachar to get the win on Super Plunge to Belfi over Vinigo. And then um, the Remnants. Uh, Roglic was still up there close. Uh, Garrett Tom was up there close. You still had uh, Kamna. I mean, devastating, but, you know, there you go. So that's the Super Plunge to Belfi. Stage 7. Uh, let's go to Stage 8. This is into Lusane. And um, there you go. Wout, he decides that he's just going to light it up and he's going to win it, and he, and he gets a stage win. So he gets a second stage win. The Jumbo Visma rider further enhances his green jersey hopes, no longer in yellow. That's off to Pagatra land. But uh, Michael Matthews gets second place once again. He's like, I got second to Pogachar now I got second to Wout. Now this is a similar finish to the one that Wout uh, when uh, Pogacar won and took the yellow jersey and there was complaints, maybe, you know, he should have hung on. Yeah, but, you know, he's wowed and he's doing what he's doing and he's out there getting green green points and he's uh, trying to win. I think he, the 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 day prior, the, the few days prior, he was in that break with um, our buddy Quinn Simmons. And Quinn's like, he and he just rode Quinn off his wheel and he's like, yeah, this is amazing. Okay, so that was stage eight. Now we're going to stage nine, Port de Soleil. Um, uh, this was our buddy, Bob jungles punches there after winning stage nine. Yeah. He gets off in a break and does some amazing work and uh, held off the field, held off, uh, Pinot and, um, looked fabulous out there. So, uh, good for him. Good for AG two R they finished with three riders. So AG three R I think is what that, they call it. Uh, he remember he had started the race, uh, with COVID and, um, was able to go cause his load wasn't that big. That was stage nine stage 10. To Majiv. this is where um, EF finally gets their uh, their win. Remember, Magnus Court had been off the front uh, all in Denmark, and he was accumulating the points for the King of the Mountains jersey. Uh, then he gets in a break here. Uh, was this Nick Schultz? And he ended up Pagatra loses time in the overall classic classification as breakaway rider. Kamna moves up to second. Yeah, Kamna gets up the road once again. And, but Magnus court does an amazing job here. Bike throw gets the, the win over, uh, I think it was Nick Schultz of EF, um, in the young Jersey there would be, um, Pitcock, uh, 25 rider breakaway. They gained enough time to see 21st place. Leonard Camner briefly have the virtual Molly on Louis Leon Sanchez, let out the sprint shattered breakaway. Uh, snuffed out by Schultz and court who burst clear to contest the stage win even gained hundred meters gain. Okay. Uh, that was stage 10 stage 11. Stage 11 is really where everything came to a fore and, uh, where you started to really see how it was this though. Look, when you look at the, the, the tour coming off of the, the, at the end and you're looking back, you go, okay, maybe it wasn't as dramatic as it uh, could have been. It's pretty good. Good racing the whole time. And you're like, Oh, you know, Jumbo just dominated kind of like the days of sky, but they didn't. This is this was where they played it differently and they played to different strengths. They may have to change their tactics going forward, but this was where, um, on the was the glibier uh, you had Vinny uh, and Roglic just attacking over it's 60 K to the finish. Okay. 65 and they're just going one, two counter counter. But that's where they played into the ego and the whole race strategy of Pogatra. I had said before this tour starts, I'm like, yeah, it's one thing to have a dominant team and to go one, two. But when that other rider just wants and he's stronger than both of you and he just decides to go up the road, it doesn't matter if you're counterattacking each other. He's just going to dump both of you. And that is what Pogachar thought he can do as well. He did. He counterattacked these guys. They kept attacking. He kept going after both of them. That was detrimental. Then on the Glibier, he actually takes off himself over the top with Jonas. They go down, teams regroup. And then Jonas attacks him up the the Grenon. He loses two and a half, he being Pagacha loses two and a half minutes devastating he gets passed by uh, all the kind of riders nairo i think was second on the day and you had Garrett thomas even coming by pogacar it was uh, something to behold and it was quite the the taking it to him um from the uh, jumbo team that was stage 11 stage 12 the next day out the won by tom pidcock of team Ineos, former uh inios sky transition rider whatever you want to call it was uh chris froome gets third on the day uh, the Jumbo team takes it to him. sepcus does an amazing job of the d'Huez for his team rider, uh, Vinigo. And you saw Vinigo not playing the game that Pagachar does. When you saw Pagachar trying to attack, not as strong, couldn't hold the lines, kept coming uh, back to Sep. And um, on the day, there was no no change in, in the race there. But you had a brilliant day by uh Kuss, uh Kuss on the Alpe d'Huez, along with Pitcock getting the win and Vinigo doing well as well. San Antien, next day, Moss Pedersen uh, gets the win uh, in a little bit of a breakaway here. And it was uh, quite impressive. He was up there. Fred Wright takes second. Hule settles for third. Those two guys play an important role as well. But this was the day that you saw Quinn Simmons getting his rider, his sprinter, into the break, doing a ton of work, then getting ridden out. And then Mads Pedersen, along with Filippo Ogana was in there um stefan Kuhn was in there and he takes off on this climb and just powers away and only the two climber guys are the ones that go with him but then uh, of course mods was able to uh basically throttle them at the end mond i'm look I'm, as I'm going through this this is just exciting stages after exciting stages this one was fascinating maybe one of the best ones of the week of the, of the three weeks that we had stage 14 up to Mond, this came down to a big breakaway. You had EF in there, a big contingent of those riders. You had Roberto Aran, uh, Nielsen Palace, Alberto Betiel, um, But Michael Matthews attacks with like 30, 40 K, maybe a little further out there to go. A few guys go with him. It splits things up. They keep trying to bring it back together. Meanwhile, back in the field, you had Roglic hitting hard on the shredding the field out. He then retires out the next day. doesn't start the next day's stage. They come into the last climb on Mond, and it is an all for naught. There's still Michael Matthews still up the front. He's getting rid of the, the riders that he had with him. The Kron had been up there with him, and he flats before they get to the final. Uh, but behind is Alberto Bettyol. He kicks away from, I think, that a 20-second or so gap still. He kicks away from that group, gets his way up to Michael Matthews. They ride for a bit together. He attacks him hard. Matthews holds two, three, five-second gap. Holds, holds it, claws his way back with about a kilometer and a half to go. Attacks, goes over the top of All, comes over the top of the KOM. Now with like a 10-second, 15-second gap, holds his way down onto the airfield and is able to post up beautifully. It was one of the best fought battles uh, that I had seen out there. I think Grosschartner was one of the other ones as well because you expect when all comes over the top of him, you expect that to just be the end. And I think um, Thiebaud ends up uh, third place or so on the day there. So uh, anyway, up to Mond, as far as the, the, the group behind, um, it was a bit of a battle still. Everyone gets shredded out. Uh, Garrett Thomas is the best of the rest, and, and it's just Pagachar and Vinigo going up to the top. And once again, Vinigo still tries to sprint uh, into Carcassonne. You get a sprint finish. This is uh, what last Sunday, <clears throat> and it's uh, Jesper Philipson easily getting the win. And so good for the sprinters. You have nothing there for Caleb and a few of the others. Foie, this is a quite the emotional day. You had Hugo Hule uh, for Israel startup nation, their second win member Clark got it on stage five on the cobblestones. He had then had to leave early because of, um, well, soon thereafter due to, I think COVID, uh, but Hugo ends up doing a great victory here for the Israel claimed his first professional victory on the biggest stage in cycling, winning the two de front stage to Foi from the day successful breakaway. Um, yeah, so it was, uh, it was really impressive to watch him. Uh, once again, you had our boy, um, mattel jorgensen he was up in the in the front there with him uh crashed on the descent trying to come down uh, catch him at least on the descent and he was not because he was just a little bit behind uh and uh, bummer for him uh the next day into paraguas this was a climb here and you had Pogachar uh saved his final blast for the closing 100 meters and won his third stage of the tour France at the summit of the Paraguay. Giannis Vinigo could not match the acceleration and finished on the adversary's wheel force. No change in the overall on that day. Uh, I do believe that was the day we saw Brandon McNulty come to the fore. He did what? Almost two climbs there. This was, they only beat uh, Brandon at the final here. Uh, Pogacar when he took off by like 24 seconds, uh, what 50 K or so. Uh, Brandon McNulty on the front, just destroying the field. (laughs) Everybody, Sepp Coase included. uh, It was uh, phenomenal to see the American uh, really to do that. But the next day, the next day was Sepp turn and Wout's turn and Vinigo's turn and the whole team for up to the how You had early on, you had, you saw Jumbo sending guys up the road. Wout was one of them. Uh, Tish, I think, was another or maybe uh, Van Hoedank, but they were then coming back. They come into the final climb. Sep had done a lot of work on the an ultimate climb they come into the last, last climb he's drilling it uh, Tish, I think Tisha started that one then then Wout I mean sorry then um, Sepkus, uh brings Wout who had had a two minute lead with Danny Martinez and I'm trying to remember the other guy up the road they catch them Wout then takes over <clears throat> ends up destroying everybody but Vinigo, Vinigo then attacks and uh, Pogacar has been dropped Pogacar ends up coming past Wout at some point so you have Vinigo gets a minute uh, over Pugachar and another minute, uh, which would be two over Wout. Wout holds on for third place on the day. And then this stage was really, um, it, it was, you know, the big final race day that you had there. <clears throat> Once again, a Danish rider winning on Harukum which had happened uh, previously with Bjarni Reis in 1990. I want to say four, or was it 96? 94, I think, um, when he wrote up the big ring. And we've talked about that, Mr. Uh, 60. Uh, stage seven, 18, that was stage 19 into Cahors. You had Nathan, I'm sorry, uh, Laporte finally gets the French win from the 19th stage, uh, showing a lot of gum and excitement there over the sprinters. But you can, and, and should have known when Phillipson is streaking out from behind everybody else gets second place by a long way, uh, but coming down in there, the sprinters teams are all a mess. They're not really sure what's going on. And Laporte bridges up to Fred Wright and a few others that were just had a little bit of a gap in the last 1K, dismantles the sprinters, kind of takes them by surprise, and then he sprints out of them and uh, shows what he had done all year as far as going all the way back to Paris. Stage 20 was a time trial. It was wow. He ends up winning another one. Brilliant on this uh, tour once again. I think he, what, had three wins, uh, three or four wins himself. No, three wins. Jonas had two, and then uh, Laporte had one. So last year he had three. He has another three. He gets the time trial victory here, uh, puts everyone into the hurt locker, and they uh, they really can't do it. You had had Filippo starting out the day, then the big battles for the GC. You had a few guys going up and down on the day. Uh, Nairo going backwards, Menchi's going backwards. Other some other ones moving up. Vlasov, um, but as far as the the, the overall goes, um, no. And then we talked about this one. Stage 21 snooze fest, but Phillipson gets a, a second win and a uh, good showing there for Alpeson Phoenix. Okay. Mike Woods had to leave the last day uh, due to COVID. I don't know if he really had any symptoms, kind of bummer for him. Um, the we talked about this the other day. He said, totally clean. You have to trust us. So people, and I thought I would just talk about this real quick. Well, veterans, hat trick overshadowed by doping inquiries. Uh, so. The, the tour here has, the press decided to talk about and ask them, he and Vinigo on the last day there, or the Saturday after the time trial, decided to ask both of them about doping, whether they've been doping. Um, and the podcast I heard, you know, it's journalists, they're all proud of themselves for doing this. Um, Vinigo, I guess, said, hey, we worked super hard. I, no one on the team, he, he, he did the thing that I haven't heard any writers do, which is vouch for other writers. Uh, he vouched for the whole team that they're pretty much not doing it. We're just working hard. We're da 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 da. We train better. We are more scientific than everyone else. We take team uh, altitude camps to a higher level than everyone has done. Uh, Walt's answer was that's a shit question. So he didn't even really want to. Pre- and then the the press kind of came on that. Okay. So what what's my take on that? If you even care, which is what's the point? I mean, I get asking the question. But what's the point? Are they? Have you ever asked the question? And the guy's like, "Hey, I tell you what. I just, I know, I just won three stages here. I Have the green jersey. Our team won six stages altogether. We won three jerseys at this. Three. Um, yeah, we're we're. I'm I'm loaded right now. I was I had a needle in my arm last night. Uh, pumped full of stuff. I am just ripped. It's the all drug Olympics, and I am soaring. That doesn't happen. So. In one sense, even asking the question is stupid, right? Because you it, it is kind of a shit question. Because you're not going to get, if he is doping, you're not going to get a straight answer. If he's not doping, you just literally offended him, and I and, and then it's it's brilliant. All the uh, this is this is also the the hypocrisy in the in the, in the, in the cycling world and the journalism. Uh, they all said which has some points to it. Hey, why doesn't Wout? Why doesn't Vinigo and Pagot, any of these guys? go talk to some of these managers and people that are on their team, ask them who were legit dopers in the eighties and nineties or in the nineties and two thousands that are now working for the team. It's true, but you could even go ask, uh, I've talked about this before. You could go ask, um, uh, Eddie Merckx. He was nailed for It goes way back. It's not just this last era. It's era after era. Tommy Simpson. He was, why do you think he, he died going up the Vaughn it's heat? perhaps amphetamine, something he was taking, perhaps, yes, I mean, it was, that's the case, so it goes way back, and so you don't just pigeonhole it to uh, the guys, you know, just recently, they were just better at it, and they were probably doing it, um, you know, a little bit more scientific than, than guys in the past, so once again, uh, journalists uh, do feel, you know, that they're, they have to say these things, um, they feel self-righteous about saying them, Aren't asking these questions, then they get an answer like that, which they're going to expect. Once again, you're not going to get uh, yeah, I, I'm doping. So then you get it. Um, and so, I mean, it, maybe the, the, the journalist, and I, I get it though. You feel like you got to do that. So maybe the journalists need to go about it just in a different way, which is just not really, I, I guess you got to put them on the record, but you could have done that at any point during this, this race, you could have done it at any point during the year but you've got to do it at the tour because that's where, and so then it makes, it makes, you know, makes, uh, headlines tour de France, 2022. I hope you enjoyed it. maybe I'll check back in on the women's. I don't know. Um, I, I thought it was a fantastic race. Best part about the race that I feel is climbers, two amazing climbers. The best climbers in the race got one and two. And to me, that is always more exciting because it's not just the, even Bernal. Bernal was a great rider, but he loved to just sit on the train and bore me to death with uh, the Sky Ineos uh, way of doing it. And this is different, I Don't change your ways, Pogacar. Just train harder, attack harder, and we'll love you next year even more, more than we have before. All right, everybody, Between Two Wheels podcast. Hopefully, hopefully we'll see you around. Uh, Maybe we'll keep doing some podcast stuff. Let me know what you think. Subscribe, like, share the show. Take care.